recording. We're both recording. Okay. Ma, 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 my Sharona. Ma, 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 ma. My little only one. My little only uh, one. Ma. Uh. All right. Um, so. Okay, well, welcome to this episode of The Normal Show. Yay! And within uh, almost less than a week, we have another celebrity death. Yes. Terrible, uh, terrible tragedy here, because this guy was... This guy was monumental uh, for anybody who loves sketch comedy, improv comedy. This guy was kind of a, a grandfather of that in many ways. Um, Fred Fred Willard has passed away as of yesterday. Um, luckily, is due to natural causes, uh, not not COVID related. Um, and yeah, uh, he uh, you know he was he was on a lot of like big 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 uh, part of the Christopher Guest stuff um like all like a lot like, arguably some like the funniest lines in those movies uh were his wouldn't you say yeah yeah um i always loved uh there was you know there was a um uh it's, it's definitely part of the lesser of the Chris, christopher guest movies but uh did you ever see for your consideration mm-hmm. uh i like as, as that movie is kind of i always felt that one was kind of weak However, I loved his character in that because you could kind of tell that it was sort of like a take on Mark McGrath because uh, it was like the Entertainment Tonight type thing because <laughs> he yeah. even had like the frosted tips. <laughs> and there's that scene where like after, you know, because the whole point is like everybody's, they're saying, oh, you're going to be nominated for an Oscar. And the one person they never said that about is the guy that gets nominated for an Oscar. So <laughs> they go after the announcements have been made. He goes, everybody likes to go and talk to the winners. I I think it'd be more interesting if we go and see what the losers have to say. And so he just confronts like, um, what's her fit Parker Posey, uh, at like at some Starbucks or something. <laughs> Shoves the mic in her face. Yeah. Um. Oh, apparently I apparently I just got a notification from my computer. Sorry, um, but. Um, one of the other, like, what, what was your, what are some of your favorite Fred Willard uh, performances? Well, you know, I, I mean, of course the the Christopher Guest movies, but um, did you ever see Wally? The cartoon? Yeah, the Pixar cartoon. I actually, I have not. I've heard he good things in that. He plays. Know. He's the president of Earth. Okay. Um, uh, or whatever you know the place. I think it's just the president of the whole Earth. Um, or he's like the. the 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 company is called by and large yeah and and they're kind of like the evil corporation that kind of destroys the entire planet and then they have to take off into space yeah and so the whole world is devastated right and that's where we find Wally he's like this trash compactor robot and he's just been working you know compacting all this trash like he's programmed to do mm-hmm. and meanwhile all these other robots that have already broken down that are the same model as him, you know, he, if something breaks on him, he goes and gets it off of one of those robots. But Fred Willard is the president and, you know, he keeps you, it's kind of this post-apocalyptic thing. You see these uh, recordings that he left that were kind of like news updates and, and yeah. Fred Willard's like, uh, Oh, Hey, uh, everything's fine. We're, so he's kind of like a Trump esque. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it was it was like 
everything's fine. We're gonna we're gonna get out in space and and come back a year later when the planets, you know, when we found a way to, or you know, whatever. That almost and then, sounds and then like the space progressively. Force <laughs> what'd you say? So that almost sounds like the space force announcement. <laughs> right. Well, but it gets like progressively worse and worse, and he's like, um, yeah, I'm back, and uh, yeah, there's no hope, no hope. Uh, <laughs> You know, and and so it just it gets worse and worse. And his delivery is what's always yeah. the best. He's just like he's always so happy and yeah. cheerful, and which was kind even, of his, that was his shtick. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. And he was on uh, Modern Family all the time as uh, Ty Burrell's dad. dad. Yeah. Um, and it was sad because the last couple of seasons you could see him. He uh, his he was getting thinner. Yeah. He wasn't able to walk around a lot. Most of his scenes were uh, shot sitting down, and, and, and fairness, you know, man, not moving, or or they were years old. So I mean, you know, it's... well, eighty six isn't that old these days, but you could tell there was something wrong with him, yeah. and and that he was it was getting worse every time he got on camera, but, and eventually guess... they just filmed him yeah. through like uh, video recordings like this, pretending yeah. he was oh hey I'm on you know I'm in Cabo and. Uh, I'm really enjoying here. it here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and and, uh, and know, I mean, oh, they, and and he was on Jimmy Kimmel all the time. Yeah. Well, uh, that, that was, goes back to the because because a lot of I, I believe I, I forget if he was a founding member, but I know he was definitely an early member of Second City. Like, cause he because uh, his it would be go if you actually go to the Second City in Chicago, they have pictures of all like the the people who were who were in the theater who are who who have performed on the stage, and you see his up there, and it's like a much older picture than the other people. So I'm, I'm assuming he was probably there uh, like, around the same time as like uh, Alan, uh, Alan Arkin. Ar- Arkin. Yeah. Yeah. And Alan Alda. And, um, yeah. Um, probably, probably in that first two or three groups yeah. that came through there. Yeah. But the first, the first thing I really remember seeing him in was actually this thing called uh, a his, the, uh, the history of white people, which is this thing that it was like this sort of mockumentary, uh, thing that had Martin Mall or like he was it was it was basically it's kind of it, it's the first episode is available on YouTube if you have a chance to watch it um and uh the whole thing was sort of like a mockumentary about kind of like oh the racial divide in Reagan America and it's kind of very pertinent today if you watch it it's still it's eerie it's eerie how like kind of accurate it is um, but, mm-hmm. and then I found out that, uh, prior to, like, like, you know, I thought like that was the very first thing I ever even saw Martin Mullen, uh, I think. And so then I found out, oh, apparently those guys had done, uh, a thing called Fernwood Tonight back in this, like, like almost 10 years before that, back in 77, um, which I discovered on TV or, or, uh, or actually not even TV land. This was back, this was Nick at Night, which I had discovered it on. Um, and it was sort of a really, it was the sort of risque, it, it, you know, it, it was probably one of like the best um, uh, sketch shows of the 70s. It was sort of like this really risque uh, kind of, you know, uh, subtle adult humor uh, that would kind of come on late night. And it was, the premise was basically this, well, first off, it was a uh, spinoff of uh, Mary Hartman, which was a little more of a dramatic show. And um, Hart, Mary Hart? Yeah, or or Hartman. No, Mary Hartman. It was like Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. <laughs> but anyhow, um, I, it was sort of, it was supposed to take it was supposed to be this like sort of dinky talk show that uh, that was filmed in uh, Fernwood, Ohio, and 
they'd always get these guests on there. And it, I mean, it's a hilarious show. Like they have clips of it on YouTube. Um, and like, they would always have like, just like guests on there. Like for example, Tom Waits is on there on one episode. And the only reason he's on there is because his car broke down in front of the studio. So he just needed to come in <laughs> somewhere. And, um, and it's great because they, they, they have like this sort of, uh, like Martin Mull and, um, uh, Oh, good Lord, Freak, uh, Fred Willard, <laughs> the man we're talking about, always had this sort of like '70s swinger vibe thing. Host like they're supposed to be like these sort of oh we're the '70s male, like you know we're we're the we're like the open-minded liberal '70s males. And in the first episode, uh, there's this the the their first guest is it, it's 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 a sketch. It's a part called uh, "Talk to a Jew," and the whole point of this was. A, like a, a Jewish man drives through Fernwood, gets uh, a speeding ticket, and the uh, chief of police tells him that uh, you can get out of the speeding ticket if you show up on this talk show. So, and and of course, basically, what is what happens is because they're trying to be super liberal and like open-minded, that they overcompensate and then kind of come off offensive. It's basically sort of like the uh, what's the term? Uh, reverse racism. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I will play the clip here for you. So this is like I have like the two two parts where Fred Willard really shines in this sketch. So here's the first one. It occurred to him that many Fernwooders or Fernwoodians or Fernies, whatever they're calling themselves these days, uh, have actually never seen a real live Jew before. And uh, <laughs> and I think as your trouble, though very nice people know, uh, it's just this kind of. Uh, ignorance that often breeds contempt and prejudice and stereotyping, and I think we can help stop some of that by just letting them see and see what you're all about. That's true. Oh, yes, uh, and it's I think uh, it's a service to let people know that you actually are, which I say, harmless, just like everyone else. And I do. <laughs> I think right now we can uh, put him into a stereotype because, as you can see, he's uh, completely normal looking. You look just like the rest of us. It's as plain as the nose on your face. <laughs> so that's the first one. Then the conversation kind of kind of goes ahead, and then this is the second part uh, that, that like I said, in which I feel that he really shines. Yeah. Tell me, uh, Morty, honey, do you have a family? Yes, I have a boy and a girl. Yeah, it's amazing, really. Uh, I think this is quite a, an education for any fun audience who may have never seen it. You. <laughs> you, you've been to yourself. Oh, definitely. Yes, I've talked with them. I've had dinner with them. You name it. I know them inside and out. Definitely. What tribe are you from, Mr. Rowe? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's just like, and you kind of, like, you see, like, the framework in that, in that sketch of, like, mm-hmm. the character, like, the, like, the best in show character. <laughs> Yeah, um, but interesting. An interesting thing so, about that. Wait, sketch. before we move on. Yes. What tribe was he from? <laughs> well, let's see. What tribe? Yes, sir. Well, I'm originally from Toledo. Our lines are on. So yeah. yeah. So. The thing, though, now, now, a funny, funny part about that sketch is that apparently when that aired, the ACLU 
tore that one a new tore it a new hole. You know, it, it basically said this is like wrote a letter to uh, the, the you know the, the network that was showing that saying, and, and, and to like the the you know the creators of Fernwood tonight saying this is this is deplorable. This is the most racist thing I've ever seen. And then oddly enough, after that happened, um, or around the same time that that happened, I should say. Um, uh, they also received a letter from the uh, Jewish Anti-Defamation League uh, and basically stated how much they loved the sketch. They thought how funny they thought it was and how like they're like, oh, yeah, no, this is great. And apparently <laughs> the Fernwood Tonight people forwarded that letter to the ACLU. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> but no. Um, was that it? Did they let it go after that? Yeah. Basically, I mean, it's just, it's just kind of like, oh, okay, you know, it's like, they, what choice did they have? <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, like I said, this, uh, the dude, like, like, the dude had such great timing, like, he, uh, he was really good at playing that sort of enthusiastic, like, enthusiastic, the, ignorant person, I guess. Yeah, the moronic positivism. Yes. <laughs> as, uh, Tim O'Malley would say. Yeah. <clears throat> well, this is like, I mean... Uh, the the whole play by play stuff he does with the that on best in show. I mean, it's like... yeah. <laughs> but anyhow, but yes. Uh, R.I.P. Fred Willard, we salute you. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Um. So what? Uh, so what's new? What? Uh, what do you think? Uh, or, or what? What's new in the world right now? Jack. Jack. I was. Thinking, I don't know, I guess I'll do it this episode. Um, I've kind of been wanting to figure out, like, what was, what got you into comics? Got me into comics? Um, yeah. Honestly, I think, by the, you know, because bear in mind, I was born in 81. So by that time, I mean, Batman was already huge. Uh, you know, like, the Adam West Batman was, was, was a cultural thing. Um, also, that was around the time that, like, and, and like, all, all, all the cartoons, like, Super Friends, um, uh, the Spidey and his amazing friends, and, like, and, like, the, and, and there were, you know, I mean, and Underoos were also a big thing, so superheroes mm -hmm. were already a massive part of, of pop culture by the time I came around, um, mm -hmm. And I, well, and also I think my I had two older brothers as well who read comics, um, and I just sort of I was like, well, they they really they really enjoy these, so man, I, I kind of want to look at these too, but like you know, and uh, and I think like I said, I think a big part I think for me it was like it was already sort of in the culture when I came about, so it really was more of just like. Like kind of like a, just a, I don't I don't know if I'd say a natural a natural sort of um, attraction to comics just just because of just uh, you know the just because the media had already you know it was very like you know everything I mean like Spider Man was everywhere like uh, for example Electric Company you know <laughs> I remember like seeing Spider Man on the Electric Company you know they would have like those little you know what I'm talking about yeah yeah so it's like they were you know comic book characters were everywhere. Like you'd see, and, and of course, like I said, the, the I, I do remember the Adam West Batman being in syndication and watching that a lot. Uh, well, yeah, and for me, I mean, it's the same thing. I didn't have 
older brothers or uh, my, I only have an older sister. I'm and sure she, she wasn't, wasn't in the comics. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I had all the toys. Yeah. You know, I had I had Superman, Wonder Woman, yeah. uh, Batman, Lex Luthor, the all those, those Justice League toys that came out in like the eighties. Yeah, yeah, the Justice, yeah, the Justice League toys, and and the underoos and you know pajamas and all that stuff. Yeah. But it's it's funny. I've never been that into the DC comics. Yeah. As much as I was the DC merchandising icon iconography. Yeah. You know. Because like Superman has always been one of my favorites. Yeah. But, and and I read uh, Superman comics for a while back in college. But yeah. before that, I was not into them that much. After that, I was not into them that much. I just yeah. DC is a different animal. You know, everybody has their favorites. Well, always, and and for me, for say... me, comics wise, it's always been Marvel. Yeah. But when we were kids, Marvel didn't really have a lot other than Spider Man. Yeah. Really, um, as far as heavy marketing you know and and there weren't that many cartoons out there were a few but i i only ever saw the spider-man and his amazing, amazing friends when i didn't see spider-woman or yeah. whatever uh the hulk one that was on at the time and um so it's funny because i always i grew up with all the superman and, and batman stuff yeah. and and watched the adam west show all the time and um but then when I finally, when I first got into actually comics, buying and reading comics, I I was totally marveled yeah. the whole way. And I mean, I'm, you know, people can't see this because this is an audio medium, but I'm literally wearing a Marvel shirt right now. <laughs> so, yep. Um, well, and I think the big thing is, and they've always kind of said this, is that DC almost represents sort of your parents. Like, it's just like, you know, th those are always, pop like, like, those are always sort of like paternal figures. Like, Batman is sort of like a father, Batman and Superman are sort of father figures. Whereas Marvel, that's like Spider-Man, that's you. Like, they're, you know, it's putting you sort of in that position. Mm -hmm. and, and also, like, they're, you know, like, like, Superman is perfect. There's nothing really... You know, they're, right. Yeah, I mean, like he, he like his he's, his one weakness is kryptonite. Yes. They had to give him a weakness, yeah, so that he wouldn't be too. Which stemmed from perfect. like that was actually the thing that was in, it was a radio show invention because they were like, right. yeah, they were just like, well, we got to figure out. A, you know, it's always it always fascinates me like how certain mythoses of characters were created right. in other medium, like not in the comics, <laughs> like. Like, yeah, and then it became adopted yeah, into like, the comics. Cause, cause, uh, cause, yeah, because Kryptonite and Jimmy Olsen were both from the radio show. <laughs> they did not right. exist prior to that. Because uh, one, they were like, when, with, yeah, with, with Kryptonite, it was they needed they needed to give him something to be weak. And then, well, and was Perry White always there, or was he a radio invention too? I'm not sure on that. Um, I was thinking he came from radio too. Uh, it's possible. Uh, although, I mean, I don't know. Well, and, uh, well, and then you know the other the other thing too of him being able to fly, that was not in the comics before. Right, he that's that the leap over tall buildings yeah, thing that was, was originally it. He could just jump really yeah, far. It was it was actually the Fleischer cartoons because they're like it's way harder to animate somebody leaping. So they're like let's just have him fly. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and yeah, well, and even like uh, you know Harley Quinn, who is one of the most popular freaking comic book characters right now. Uh, was not an invention of the Batman comic. It was Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> right, Paul Dini. Yeah, Paul Dini. And, 
It was a, it was a, yeah. it was probably, it was actually a collaboration really sort of of three people. Uh, Paul Dini, uh, who, who sort of created the character, uh, Bruce Tim, who drew her, and then Arlene Sorkin, who the character, who voiced the character and who the character was based off of. And from which soap opera? It was Days of Our Lives, because there was a, there was Day- actually a, there's an episode that's like a dream sequence where she's dressed up at, cause, cause, uh, Arlene Sorkin was Paul Dini's like roommate in college or something. And, uh, and, and he really, you know, he, and so they became really good friends and he was watching days of our lives and saw her where she was this sort of, uh, jester type character in a dream sequence. And that kind of gave him the ideas like, Oh, well, what if the Joker had sort of a, a female clown jester sidekick? And then a groupie, basically. Yeah. And that's basically the invention of Harley Quinn or Harley. Yeah. Well, and so what do you remember the first comic that you read or that that really grabbed you? Um, Like what 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 which one hooked you? Well, I would say the first one I remember buying, but not really getting. I I, I think I'm I'm fairly sure it was the first one I ever really bought and. It was mainly just because my brother had bought the previous number, and I just wanted to one up. And I knew he really wanted it, so I wanted I, I wanted to one up him. Uh, was Wolverine number six? Like that one, I remember buying first, and and this was also like sort of like when I still was not great at reading, you know. <laughs> so was a lot of times I would just sort of look at just like depend on the picture to tell me the story. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that was definitely the first first one the first comic i think i really because at that point i think i was collecting them out of almost like a um almost just like a like a uh uh, kind of like a a hoarder would collect them like i didn't really know why i was collecting them i just liked the i mean i liked the art and i like well i mean it was kind of like inherent in the industry like you have to get the next story and how do you do that you buy it and then what do you do you usually keep it you know yeah but no I, mean, I would say probably the first comic book that i read that spoke to me that kind of like uh, that that sort of you know kind of unlocked the oh man the i gotta read more of these was probably james obar's the crow because i remember buying i remember that it was kind of when i was coming back into co- or, or, or you know it was a weird thing like where i was i, I had a weird period of I, but comics for me were always off and on. Like I read them pretty heavy, and when I was in, when I was really young, like around like like six to probably because roughly around like the the Batman time. So like uh, seven like seven years old to about ten, I was really kind of heavy into reading them. And then I kind of took kind of took some time off. Then junior high, I kind of came back because uh, that's like you know whenever. You know, there were there were more 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 exciting stuff coming back in comics, uh, and that's when I read. That's around the time when I read uh, the Crow, and and yeah, and I realized, you know, that was one that I was like, oh man, this, like comic. It was kind of a thing like, oh, comics don't just have to be about superheroes. They can be, you know, dark. You know, <laughs> yeah, they can be dark and brooding and violent. Um, I don't know what was the, what was your first one. Well, you know, like I said, when I grew up. I was in um, Warner, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and I, I just had the toys, the DC toys and stuff, and the the cartoons. And I, I remember the the Spider Man movie that I think it was the Japanese one. Okay, yeah. You know, that was my familiarity with Marvel at the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, and uh, and also, uh, of course, we can't forget. Um, 
uh, David uh, David or me, David Banner, uh, played by Bill Bixby. Right, I watched that all the time yeah, too. The so that Hulk, was yeah, yeah, that was kind of my only real entrance into the Marvel universe at that point. Yeah. But um, I moved to Quentin, Oklahoma, and I had two friends that were into comics, Patrick and Gary, and they. I I would say they are the ones that got me into comics like big time. Like we would always read them, and and there was a store, a grocery store nearby that sold comics yeah. on a little comic a spinner rack. Like the hey kids comics rack. Yeah. Well, right, and at the time you could buy them there yeah. before they exclusively went to comic shops. Yeah. No, and they um, they did that for but, a long time. Like I remember. Oh yeah, for a long time. Yeah. You used to be able to buy them at Walmart. At um, I would buy them at Walden Books yeah. a lot. They they had a spe- uh, in the mall. Yeah. They had a spinner rack, and so most often I would buy them either at Walden Books at the mall, or uh, at the grocery store in Quentin. Yeah. And and it was mostly well totally X Men, mm-hmm. and it's hard for me. I've always been thinking since I came up with this question of what the first one I remember reading was. I want to say it was the one where Colossus gets kind of hypnotized okay. and attacks the other X-Men um, sometime, I want to say issue 283 or maybe earlier than that, 270-something. So like some, somewhere like late, late 80s, early 90s probably? Or right, but it was, it was definitely the, the 270s or the 280s yeah. range. Yeah. Um, but I can't remember the exact. I would have to go look at the at the issues book. to yeah. get the exact number of the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. And even then, I think that's. I'm not totally sure, but I think that's the one. Yeah. And so from that point on, I would kind of buy them if I look if the cover was like, "Ooh, that looks awesome," or if, you know, I would just kind of buy it sporadically. Yeah. No, I never. If I, I had never the, did. I knew, just because I think my mom was just like opposed to the idea of you can't have a subscription. Because you know you don't have the money for this, so right? And and I'll yeah. get to that later. Um, yeah. Because at, at that point, I was still buying. You know, comics were still like seventy five cents. Yeah, like they, they were, were seventy five cents. Maybe yeah, seventy five cents. Maybe a dollar. Maybe know? a dollar. Yeah. yeah. And I remember when they first went up to a dollar twenty five. Yeah. And it was it was like oh my god, what is happening? You know. Yeah. Um, but. But yeah, comics were still super cheap, and I would just, I'd be like, oh, that one looks interesting, and I'd buy it, and be like, oh, that's cool, you know, and just kind of maybe miss a couple issues, buy another one, buy another one, you know. And um, it wasn't until, so I liked the X-Men immediately. Yeah. They they instantly, I, I wasn't ever into Avengers until college, and um, and even then it was just... <laughs> it was it was it was only Brian Michael Bendis yeah. with Avengers Disassembled uh, Disassembled that got me into it. Yeah. Um. And what what actually got me starting to collect them was in grade school there was like some sort of sales thing like if you sold these certain things you could win prizes mm-hmm. or something. One time you got like this Tetris type game. It wasn't Tetris, but it was like Tetris. Yeah. And one time there was a subscription for Uncanny X Men in there that you could get. And I signed up for that because I was like, oh, I like the X Men. Yeah. I'll do that, you know. And so that got me a subscription from Marvel. And, and so then I started getting every single issue with that subscription. And then, you know, a couple of years later, whenever it was that they brought 
X-Men out. Mm-hmm. So there was Uncanny X-Men and X-Men. Um, I started, I, I started subscribing to X-Men. And so then you, you do remember when you would have a comic and it would tell you what they published and it was, yeah. it was only like maybe 12 issues at most. Yeah. You know, like, it, it wasn't like, like, sort of like the cheat sheet of like, oh, you need to read this, this, and this, or that thing. Well, it, well, it was it was kind of like the thing, like, hey, subscribe to these comics yeah. or renew your subscription and and renew. You know, the more you subscribe to, the less yeah. the more you save. You know, which was like yeah. really, but but it was like that. Anything X Men, I would get. I I don't think I ever did X Force, but I did X Factor for a little bit. I I didn't subscribe to it. No, that's not. I only ever subscribed. To X Men and X- Un- Uncanny X Men at that time, and um, I did that all the way through until high school. Yeah. And I, when I got to college, you know, they would be mailed to my parents' house in Ponca City, and then when I would come home during break or weekend or whatever, I'd pick up whatever came in, and increasingly they just got more and more like. Whoever, either the mailman or Marvel shipping them, just didn't care anymore. Mm-hmm. And they got, they would get torn up, they would get bent or something, you know, wrinkled in some way. And it just kept getting increasingly worse. Sometimes they would skip issues. Yeah. And I'd, I'd call Marvel and they'd be like, okay, we'll send you one. Or they'd be like, oh, sorry, you know. And I, it just got to a point where I was like, man, screw this. So I, I just, uh, Darren. <laughs> well, yeah, I just, I quit. Um, because I knew that there were a couple of comic shops in Stillwater and I had always been wary of comic shops because you and I are what we call day walkers where, where we can like walk around and, you know, we weren't like Uber nerds at the time, you know, whereas other people are like, ah, mm, issue 147, you know, but now it's like everybody's that way. Yeah, I was going to say, nerd culture has basically taken over. (laughs) Well, right, nerd nerd culture, everybody that grew up in the 80s, it's like, no, we all did that. We all did that. We don't have to hide it anymore, right? But I was always, I was always open about it. I, you know, I played football, I was in band, I was in choir and uh, track and everything. And everybody always knew, I think, that I read comics. But um, someone outed you, no? <laughs> yeah, well, I never hit it. Um, but but the thing, so but I I never I was always wary of comic book shops because yeah. to me they all seemed like the comic book guy on Simpsons, yeah. and a lot of them are um, that way. You go in there and they're all like condescending. Mm-hmm. The shop has a weird funk. The floor is squishy, you know. But Darren, yeah. fourteen at Legendary yeah. Comics, who, we, who uh, by who the way we, we still buy from to this day. <laughs> right, we we still have our comics shipped to us in Chicago and Colorado. Yeah. He he was the first one that seemed like like me, just a normal guy yeah. that liked comics, and the shop was brightly lit, and he was just like, oh hey yeah oh yeah, yeah. you know you could talk to him easily. There was no condescension or yeah. anything. And he didn't do the whole Magic the Gathering tournaments and yeah. stuff in there and, and all that kind of stuff, which I was never into. But So I started subscribing from him. Yeah. And, and in college, when I had disposable income, mm-hmm. I went wild and I pretty much subscribed to every oh, issue God, yeah. no. or every, every title. No, because I remember. Well, because we that was anything, the whole thing. We were, we would always, we basically, you and I would always go grab our, we'd, we'd grab our comics, we'd go home and read them, and like we would, you and I would like try to talk about them. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. yeah. And in anything, Avengers or X Men, yeah. 
I, I would get. I didn't really do Doctor Strange or the other things yeah. until um, Brian Bendis made yeah. him part of the and Avengers. Mark, and uh, Mark, uh, Mark Wade kind of did. Like, yeah. Made him, made, made him good, you know? <laughs> right. Um, well, then, it's kind of, it's funny that you're talking about how, like, like comic book shops, like, actually, kind of in, in my youth, uh, comic book shops were kind of the big thing of me even getting into uh, comics, which I think is kind of funny because as I, yeah, I do the grocery, I do like the, you know, oh, every time we go to the grocery store, like grocery, gro- yeah, I can speak. Every time we would go to the grocery store, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I would check out the... Which is a chore. Yeah, it is, <laughs> it is a chore. Um, uh, I would go and I would check out like the, the comic rack and stuff like that, uh, but... I would also like it, and this actually became sort of a, because my parents split up when I was 11, and so I think this was a thing for, like, my dad to sort of, because he knew I liked, he knew that I was kind of into comics, so it became sort of, and this is actually sort of when I started collecting them, uh, and it was sort of a bonding thing for the two of us, where every week uh, we would go to the comic book store, and uh, there's a place called in, in Enid, Oklahoma, called Beetle Comics, and it was in downtown Enid. And the guy, like my, my dad, had kind of befriended the guy who ran it. Um, and every week, like you know, we kind of and this is this was during like the the nine. This was like just before the bubble was about to break on the whole comic mm-hmm. book. Like, when when the spec, like this was literally like right around the time of Death of Superman. And how this is the time when when all the speculators were saying, "Oh, these comics are gonna are going right." And to... they started making like ten copy yeah. or ten covers for each issue, yeah. and it was like, and so the and, and all the foil covers, which I have a bunch of those. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the thing was, like, I think my dad also did it because he saw dollar signs. Like, oh yeah, you like this hobby? Well, I like this hobby too because we could make money off of this. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, like, yeah, we right. bought all these. Because I remember like, he bought all these comics. I'm like, well, can I can I read those? Oh no, these these got to be put away. I'm like, <laughs> but I, I thought we bought those for me. <laughs> and so, yeah. And eventually, when when he found out they were worthless, he just gave them to me. So, I'm surprised they didn't burn them out of spite and go, "This is a learning lesson for you." Yeah. <laughs> But but no, which I was happy to get because actually one of them uh, it was actually the the twenty fifth it was the uh, Spider Amazing Spider Man a uh, thirtieth anniversary issue it's the one that's it's the foil cover with um, uh, where him and Venom are having the big showdown you know the one I'm talking about mm-hmm. um, yeah and uh, years later I actually got that signed by Stan Lee twice because Stan Lee wrote it in the wrong ink the first time. <laughs> And his handler goes, hey, wait a minute there, buddy. Uh, he goes, uh, Stan, you mind signing this one more time? And he goes, he goes I think you, you used the wrong pen. Because so, like, it's a foil pen, so he used a gold Sharpie on it so you could not see it. And then, yeah. So literally, I have I have a comic book that has two Stanley signatures on it. And it was... It was so that's going to be worth twice the money oh, yeah, now, yeah. right? Well, no, it's just funny because he goes, I go... Uh, thank, thanks, thanks a lot, sir. Goes, oh, it's no problem. It's just you know seven little letters. <laughs> uh, um, Stan Lee. Yeah, and that so that brings me to like the first comic convention that you and I ever went to. Oh yeah. Uh, 
we went to Dallas Wizard World yeah. in Dallas. Yeah, in 2004. And, uh, yeah. When? 2004, because it was the year Did before it... I graduated, two years before you. Um, yeah, 2004. And, um... Well, that was super cheap, too. Because like, it was like for for three days, it was $45. And we were just kind of yeah. like, that was, that was kind of the selling point for us because we're like, man, this is super That's affordable. That's not bad. Yeah, this is super <laughs> affordable. It's a three-hour drive. It's like, you know, three, three-and-a-half-hour drive from where we were. And... Well, and there were a ton of people there. There was yeah. like John Cassidy and yeah. like pretty much anybody that was big in the comics yeah. at, at that time yeah. was there. Uh, Jim Lee, yeah, Jim Lee was there. Uh, unfortunately, didn't get didn't get his autograph at that one, but eventually did. Um, and and what, that was uh that was when Blade Two, yeah, uh, Blade Three, Blade Three, because three, yeah, Ryan, yeah, Ryan Reynolds, three. Ryan Reynolds was just walking around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Ryan Reynolds was walking around, and and uh, uh, what's her face? Uh, Julie Benz. The. Or, the girl that was in that? Oh, uh, oh no! Or, or actually, it wasn't because they were all they were doing a cross promotion thing because it was it wasn't Jessica Biel. Jessica Biel wasn't there. It was uh, Melissa. Uh, I think it was Melissa George is her name or, or Melissa. Uh, it's the one because it was a cross promotion between because he was there to promote both that Amityville remake he was in and then also the uh, also Blade uh, Blade Trinity. Uh, and that was the girl from the Amityville movie because at that point Jessica Biel was too big of a star to show up in Dallas, Texas. Ryan Reynolds um, was still just the the guy from Two Guys and a Girl in a Pizza Place. <laughs> so. Yeah, and Erica Durance was there. Yeah, actually got we got uh, our picture taken for with Erica Durance. Smallville. And, and, and well, Smallville Jay, and, and Supergirl as well. Yeah, and Jay um, was there. Yeah. Uh, got in, uh, what's that was that was him probably at the height of his like drug addiction too. <laughs> it's just right. He was not there, but yeah. he was there physically. Yeah. Um. J, J, yeah, Jason J, from Muse. Jay from Silent Bob. Yeah, J, Jason Muse. Yeah. Yeah, Jason Muse. Um. um and, and who else? Uh, uh, well, it's that's where we met uh, uh, George Lowe, who was probably the cool. Yeah. Still to this day, the coolest friggin' uh, autograph guy. because like, he was in like the he was in like the autograph section. Coolest person I think that we've ever ran into at a con, even, and I've been going to them for God almost twenty years now. <laughs> yeah, and like, that was that yeah. was one of three that I've been to, yeah, or four maybe. Yeah, but um, he he would recognize yeah. us because we went there like the first day, and we both and... went up at separate times too. That's the thing that was crazy is we both like walked up to him at two different times. And then the next day he sees us and goes, hey, it's the boys. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's the boys. Now, if people don't know, we haven't mentioned, he did the voice of Space Ghost on Adult Swim yeah. at the time. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, he's done a lot of voices for Adult Swim. Mm -hmm. um, and he was the, he, uh, if you were a fan of the show The League, he was the guy that would always go, oh, next time on The League or whatever. Yeah, The, the League. Yeah. Um, but he always had this very uh, like kind of radio, unique voice, almost like a radio voice, which I'm sure he. And so he was he was doing he was doing. You could pay for twenty dollars. He would leave a voicemail on your phone, and I had that voicemail for the longest time. Yeah. I was actually really um, disappointed when you when you no longer had it. <laughs> well, what happened? What happened was you know uh, my phone broke. Yeah. Or something, something happened. My phone got erased, and I couldn't transfer it anymore. Yeah. I had transferred it from one phone to another, but then something happened, and I was unable to transfer it. Yeah. So basically, I, I couldn't 
couldn't keep yeah, it are, anymore. Yeah, you know, these are 2004 phones, so they're you know they weren't they weren't smart. <laughs> so yeah, it was a flip phone, yeah. but um. Uh, but no, and but, I, remember, uh, I do remember and him even. Virgil, Virgil was there in Artist Alley, and, yeah. and nobody was going to his booth. He still, everybody was understand, just, he still does that, and still no one goes up to him. So. Yeah, and but he just had this sad look on he his face. He still has just, that sad like, look, Caleb. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm, just, I'm describing it for people. <laughs> it has been, uh, God, 15 years almost since that happened, and... and yeah. For people that don't know, Virgil was a wrestler for WCW at the time. Or WWE. Actually, I think he was in... No, he no at that time, he was WCW. Oh, yeah, well, he, actually, he wouldn't even... Or this is after he had either retired or they had gotten rid of him. Right, but in high school, yeah. he was on that game, yeah, yeah. Uh, the WCW like, game yeah, he was part of the Nintendo 64. He was part of the NWO, so, yeah. So, yeah. But, um... Yeah, so that's what I knew him from was WCW. Yeah, because he was always but he was he, the million dollar man's. He was like the million dollar man's escort or whatever. His, his hype man. Yeah, which is like well, no, because he was always. It's kind of really racist when you think about it, because he literally would have like he was supposed to like his valet. It's basically what he was, and it's like that's kind of. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But anyway, nobody would ever go to his booth, and it was like, then you had George Lowe, and people would go up yeah. to him a little bit, and then um, Lou Ferrigno was there. Because <laughs> like, you know you did. Okay, for people who what? don't know this. So, <laughs> I have no clue what you're talking okay, about. I, really. no, no, I, I will tell the story, my friends. <laughs> the, the, the truth must be told. So, Lou Ferrigno was there, and... I was really excited because this is literally my first show, and I also didn't know what a big scam the art the autograph section was. So, because uh, those guys, you know, they, they do kind of hucks, they kind of hucksters there. But Lou Ferrigno was there, and I was kind of excited. I was like, "Oh wow, I grew up watching this guy. It's Incredible Hulk." And and so when I get up there, he goes kind of nervous, and I'm like, "Oh hey, um, how you doing?" He's like. Um, he goes, what, uh, you want, you want, uh, one of my, uh, headshots? Or I was like, yeah, sure. And I go, I said, I guess I'll do this one because it has the Hulk on it or, it has, you know, it has Hulk on it. And it had, it was like a thing, a black and white with him and Bill Bixby. Don't understand to this day why he signed it in a black Sharpie because you can barely see it. Uh, his well, he's deaf. Yeah. Well, is he blind too? Uh, <laughs> <but> anyhow, <laughs> yeah, I apologize. <laughs> Um, but anyhow, so for every sale, he was like, you have a choice. It's $20, you know, the, the print's $20, but you can either get, uh, a Polaroid with me or you can have a copy of my book. And I thought to myself, Buy my book. I'm not paying $20 for a Polaroid. <laughs> so I bought the book. Now, Caleb went up there later. Caleb got an autograph from him. Guess what Caleb chose? He chose the Polaroid. <laughs> I didn't get a Polaroid. Oh, you shut your face! I, to this Jeremiah, day, he has denied and lied that he does. That he has I don't that. have a Polaroid of me and Luke. I don't know. Well, you may, maybe you lost it in a move, but I remember it happening. <laughs> I've never seen this Polaroid that you're talking about. And and, and Jeremiah brings this up why. all the time, I and I have to tell him every single time. I'm like, there is not a Polaroid. If there was, I would show you. I don't know why you get your sick kicks 
by lying about this. <laughs> this Jeremiah, the truth will out, and the truth is so, this Polaroid does not you exist. Promise me that on your deathbed, as you're lying there, <laughs> breathing your last breath, <laughs> that you will finally admit to me. Because honestly, How can... don't if you okay. If on your deathbed you lie to me, I will punch your dead face. <laughs> well, let's be honest. The way you live, you're going to die way before me. No but... way. <laughs> I'm like, even but the fact is, Jeremiah, how can I admit to something that does not exist? Because it does exist. On my deathbed, I will be like, I'll, I'll draw you a Polaroid and be like, look, there it is, just to make your you happy, Cretan. Your corpse is getting one right in the freaking... Uh, <laughs> right in the suck hole, dude. <laughs> I, I, I found the George Lowe picture that I have with George Lowe, or, or that he signed. No. Um, I don't know, I've never seen this Lou Ferrigno Polaroid that Jeremiah talks about. All the time. He has it. He's, I don't know why he likes to lie about it. Because <laughs> I think, because you, you went out to George Lowe and you went up to the Hulk. Or, or the Hulk. Uh, Lou Ferrigno. And then I went up to, uh, I actually got three. Because I, uh, I got those two. I got Lowe and I got uh, Ferrigno. And then I also got Peter Mayhew. Uh, yeah. And which, that dude. He was there. Yeah, which, and that, oh, <laughs> I got, of course, granted, you want to talk about just, like, seeing somebody get progressively, like, like, or, or, or kind of like seeing the sad progression of somebody getting degradation, older. like the the degrading of their body. Yeah, like, uh, because Peter Mayhew, of course, was like super tall. I think he was like seven one, seven two, something like that. Well, in that yeah. time, he was still walking yeah. around pretty well. He had, a he had a cane. He had a limp. He had a cane. Yeah. Or, 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 or I think he didn't have. A, I didn't notice the cane. I think until the first C two E two. Okay. I think that was the first, but like. Like uh, during, at at Wizard World Dallas, he could still he was still walking around. He 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 had kind of a limp, and this would have been roughly around the time of like Revenge of the Sith, uh, when right. that when that was going on. Then uh, years later, then he had the cane, and yeah. then it became a a hover round like a rascal, or like, like a same, mobile scooter. Same thing with um the, the the one time I remember at at Wizard World in Chicago. Actually, I think it was the first one I went to seeing Richard Keel. And he was at, oh, and that was just sad because that dude who once, you know, because I guess I don't know if they had like gigantism or what it was that they had, but like, yeah, like, you know, super, like people who are super tall well, like that just have a lot yeah, of problems. Even basketball players like Kareem Abdul Jabbar, he yeah. doesn't get around that well, but he gets around better than them just because he was athletic, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and yeah, but it's just like, oh, it's just sad. It was just really sad, like seeing, oh man, but. These guys are no longer mobile like they were, um, mm -hmm. but uh, but no, that I I do remember like we, I remember us going to you know long story short when we went to that first con I remember like that being like an amazing time for us because we're like oh my god like and I remember us the the last day whatever that Sunday coming home and just uh, laying down on the ground be like I I can't move. Because <laughs> we were just walking around, and this was, and what's funny though is, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of disappointed that we didn't really know about panels because, like I said, this is our first thing. We were just like, oh, let's just uh, go around, get autographs, look at the, look at the show floor. Well, and 
I, I don't think they had that many panels, but I mean they did have a few, yeah. but not not as many as like C two E two had. Well, that was also the place we went to was a lot smaller than say like the McCormick place or the Donald E. Donald E. Stevens uh, uh, Center in in uh, in Rosemont. Well, it, yeah, it used to be the Rosemont Center, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. And then they changed the name so, of like, it. The Donald that guy, who, the guy who I think was like a yeah, mayor of Rosemont. We'll just call it Rosemont. Yeah. But, uh, but, uh, but like both of those places, of course, were massive compared because I mean, like, you know, in retrospect, it's like, yeah, that place was kind of comparatively that the place in, in Dallas that we went to, or actually, I forget yeah. if it was actually Dallas or if it was Fort Worth, technically, you know, <laughs> well, it was, it was Arlington really, oh, because yeah. it was there. It was, it was near the Rangers stadium. Well, yeah, the you Rangers could, you could literally see, you could literally see uh, six flags. Yeah, yeah. When we were waiting, which is near yeah. Ranger Stadium. Yeah, when we were when we were waiting in line to get in. Um, um, we're we're running close to an hour, but um, I think we've got ten minutes okay. maybe. So let's um, I want to talk about C two E two. Okay. Uh, or or Wizard World, I guess it was when we t- uh saw Mark Miller. Actually, was that was yeah that was that was the last that was the last yeah because that was at Rosemont. Yeah. That was yeah. That was the, actually the last Wizard World I ever attended. Me too. Yeah, that was uh, two thousand. Yeah, it was uh, two thousand nine, I believe. Well, that's because Wizard used to be this this big. The Wizard magazine yeah. was this big like comic book and entertainment magazine, and you know it had everything that guys like us would want. Yeah. You know, like casting rumors for the X Men movie, or even you know, like, dream, that, or like sort of like even like oh a Dreamcast, like oh this is who right Dreamcast. Yeah, yeah, and. It's funny that back then Patrick Stewart was still Xavier, yeah. and then it, that's the only one that actually happened. Yeah. But um, but the guy that Garib Sheamus, um, I think that's how you say his name, Garib or Garab or something, some sort of um, name. <laughs> Garib Sheamus, he was in charge of the Wizard magazine, and apparently he was a kind of a dick. Yeah. And um, and at some point he had a. Everybody like DC, Marvel, everybody had a falling out with Wizards. Well, he also like the, like the prices. When you look at what the prices were over the years, like how like how much they went up. Like it was, I know, like for the reason why I didn't go in two thousand in, in two thousand ten was for one day. It was over a hundred dollars, which was ridiculous. Right, and and all like DC and Marvel dropped out. Yeah. They quit going. A, so it was like, yeah. why should we go anymore? Yeah. They're not going. Yeah, there was no, there were no major no major. It, it basically became an autograph show. Is what it became. What it what right. it, uh, became about like, oh, okay, we're gonna get let's get Bruce Campbell and Mark Hamill and uh, ooh the cast of Arrow <laughs> and stuff. Right, and so comic book companies were not going there to do. Uh, panels about upcoming storylines or anything like that or movies or you know that kind of thing that they usually went there to display and so then uh i don't know who started c2e2 but the uh, chicago uh, comics uh, and entertainment it was a it was a a repop or the the same people that do the uh, new york uh, comic-con okay but it's so the chicago comics and entertainment expo c2e2 it was in a much larger place. Yeah. McCormick Place is is much larger than Rosemont, and it was huge. Yeah, and they had they had so many panels, so many artists. Uh, I remember seeing Marjorie Lou there yeah. um, back when she was writing. Um, I think it was X twenty three or yeah. something at that time. 
And well, or I, maybe before that. That first one had like you know one of my big one of the, one of the big selling points for me where I was like, oh, I've got to go to this was Garth Ennis, who was at that point in time like my favorite Punisher. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and you you like Punisher's your favorite, right? Uh, well, I mean, like, I wouldn't say like. Eh, I mean, I really don't know if I have a favorite. I mean, at the time, like the Punisher was like my favorite book, um, especially his his take on the Punisher. Um, just because I really liked, like, he had a very, Garth Ennis had a very gritty, realistic approach to it, where it's like, no, this is a dude who, this is a guy who kills people. Like, let's, let's be honest, type of thing. And so, right. Any, and that's the way we view things. All this stupid, like, if we do, if we kill them, we're just like them, or we're no better than them. It's like, no, if you kill them, then they're not going to murder a million people the next time they, they come and attack New York. You and Batman and everybody else, every time they like, no, then we'd be just like yeah. them. It's like, no, kill no, them. Always, yeah, that is a horrible argument. Kill them. Uh, but it's, because but it's because like to, every yeah. every life they take at, from this point on is because you didn't yeah. kill them. And, well, and the thing is, too, it's like you have characters, uh, you have other characters who are like, they don't, it's like they don't set out to kill, but it's like they're totally willing uh, to do it if, 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 the, if, if, if that's what it calls for. For example, Captain America is, I think, a prime example of a guy who, like, well, it's not his it's not his goal to kill somebody, but it's like, if, but he's, you know, bear in mind, he's a soldier, so he's like, if I have, if I, if my back is against the wall, I've got to do it. And, but that's one of the things that bugs me about that character. I mean, obviously, you can't have Captain America going around killing people. Yeah. But, I mean, is is the fact that sometimes they're like, well, I'm a soldier, I'll kill people if I need to, because in the old comics, people died all the time. Like in the original Captain America comics, characters died all the time. Now he's one of those characters that constantly says, no, if we kill them, we're no better than them, you know. And it's like, just shut up. No. You know, I mean, every you know every time Red Skull kills somebody, it's yeah. on you because you didn't kill him. And and you know they. Uh, that's why there was one recently. The Black Widow's uh, Black Widow had a five issue run where she she was like, "I'm gonna kill this guy," and he was like, "No, you can't." And she was like, "Steve, let me go. I'm doing it." And she, so she went off on this killing spree because she's a super spy, you yeah. know. And she took care of business, and if they needed killing, she killed him. And. Uh, I mean, I get why they, you know, you don't want a bunch of people running around like the Punisher yeah. mimicking and being like, I'm doing what's necessary yeah. for America. But at the same time, it's a comic book. Yeah. And, it, and you know, in reality, well, it, it, depends. it really depends. To go back on that, I think it depends on the writer. I think, like, the writer, who, whoever's telling the story, because different writers. Well, and have, the editor. Yeah, well, they'll, they'll have different takes on the character. Like, it, like it's a, I mean, like, Brubaker had a. Very, had a Captain America who was very much, as I described, a guy who's like, look, I, it's not my goal to kill people, but if I have no other choice, that's what I'm going to do. I don't know who who is. I don't even know who's writing Captain America now because I'm so um, behind. Ta Nahisi Coates yeah. is, um, or at least he was. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little behind on yeah. Captain America, but uh, he he's writing that and Black Panther yeah. right now. So. And, um, but, you know, various different writers who write him, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's usually, they try to keep it pretty th- the same across the board as much as possible. Yeah. 
So so if 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 he's in the Captain America office, if somebody's like, because you know, at Marvel they have the Spider Man office, they've got the Avengers office, yeah, the X Men office. And so it's like if the X Men want to use Captain America, they kind of have to clear it with the Captain like America the, like office the, uh, or the Avengers office, or whatever. Yeah. The the uh, yeah the Marvel heroes office, and so they they kind of or vice versa. If the Avengers want to use an X Men character, they have to clear it with the X Men yeah. office, and um so they so that they can keep it as on character as possible. Like you you can't have somebody taking Wolverine and making him like. A horrible fighter, yeah. you know. Just I, I hate Wolverine, so I'm gonna make him look stupid. Which is well, yeah. I mean, he did, but at this, um, but that's back when they used. That's why they started doing this. Was like, look, we can't have our characters be doing stuff Incons- off like character consistently. Uh, like Wolverine can't be the most deadly killer, and and the best of there is you know, what he does, and what he does isn't very nice. Right, if if he's getting embarrassed by the Punisher all the time, you know, so that's why kind of why they started doing that because it was like at, at that point you could just use any character and make them do something completely off character, and that was a thing in the nineties. You could you you kind of, or maybe the early two thousands, like they were just they were ma- letting characters just be portrayed however. Yeah. And then um, I think when Joe Casada took over as the editor in chief, he kind of put put a stop to that. He was like, "No, we we got to make this a little more streamlined." Yeah. And um, you know, if Captain America's in one book, he's and shows up in another book, he's got to have the same. Well, I mean, that it's like as close to possible as the even, same portrayal. Even in like, like I said, like yeah, like there were a lot of like I I I, like I said I haven't. I'm very disappointed if that is what they've done with the character. Uh, but, uh, but for years, though, he was a guy that's like, even even in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he was that guy where he's like, look, you know, it's not what I do, but if I have to. Well, he still says it, but then at every opportunity, no, if we kill them, we're, it's that whole standard line, yeah. like. And and Spider Man too. I don't kill people. Nobody dies. It's like, well, yeah, people die around you. Yeah. And it's because you didn't take out Norman Osborn or the Lizard or well, you know somebody <laughs> you else. Definitely take out Norman Osborn. He just keeps coming back. Uh, <laughs> but. Right, but in in the times that it matters, yeah. you know, like when they show him do something terrible, and it's like, I understand that you can't have finality. In comics yeah. like that, it's because they're corporate. It's I mean, like, as, as, as Todd McFarlane said, they're corporate characters, so they don't, you know, you can't, you, you know, you, you can't, do, you, you know, you can't kill the Joker, you know, even though it's, you know, it would solve so much problem, yes, but it's like with corporate characters that they they want to do merchandising with, and they want they want to be on lunch boxes or right, <laughs> they, want, they want to be, I guess, lunch boxes on your favorite thing anymore, but they want they want to be on like the the i the you know iPhone uh, phone protector, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, the case. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I you know I get all that, but at the same time, it just there's a way there are good ways to write that, and then there are like really lame yeah. ways to write that. Yeah. Um. But. C two E T. You were saying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, the C two E two. It was mainly to. Uh, Tell that story that Mark Miller told us. Oh, um, about the or the that 
that special thing after after hours, you know. Um, which story? Uh, oh, the, oh, when the, we were uh, all talking about the the one about uh, Warren Ellis. Yeah, you had to buy tickets okay. to go to this special so they, panel. Yeah, so this with, and this was actually this was actually the last. I think this was that last Wizard World we went to, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah so, it was, and it was the last night or yeah, something. So there was this sort of like meet meet and drink, uh, meet and greet drink thing, like where which. It's kind of disappointing in the drink. I thought, like, oh, like the way it made it sound, like it was going to be sort of like, oh, you walk around and just kind of like greet and talk to them. But it ended up just being like a Q and A, like basically a Q and A that you can yeah. drink at. Um, and they had not very good choices. It was like uh, an eight dollar bottle of Corona or an eight dollar bottle of Heineken. And if you're paying eight dollars for either one of those beers, you know you're getting ripped off. But anyhow. Um, so there was this, there, I, forget, I even forget what book it was, but it was some book that uh, Warren Ellis had created, and uh, Mark Millar. Well, just just tell his story, Mark Millar's story. Okay, so we say it as as Mark Millar. Yeah, he was he was telling a story about well, like uh, he's so yeah, he was basically well, basically Mark Millar was saying, uh, you know, he's basically saying uh, that he wanted to write this book for Warren Ellis, and they says. Warren Ellis told him he could do it, but he had to he had to come up to his room and visit him for a minute. And so, as Mark Millar told it, he says, I walked into the room, and there was Warren, and he was just standing there, and he goes, and then he started taking off his clothes, and I said, Warren, what are you doing? He goes, look at my body. Does this look like the body of a 36-year-old man? And I said, okay, I don't know what you're doing. He goes, I want you to touch it. I go, touch what? He goes, touch my body. <laughs> so, touch your body he's like don't you <laughs> come on touch it no i don't want to touch it and then he says do you want to write my book or do you want to do you want to be able to write my book and then he kind of pauses and then goes so now i'm writing goes, the if book. you want to write my book you're going to touch yeah, my body like, yeah, if you want to write my book you've got to touch my body and then so mark millard pauses or excuse me mark miller pauses yeah. and then goes so I'm writing the book now. And <laughs> yeah, so two months later, I'm writing the book, yeah. and everybody so, cracks up laughing. You know? No, he was, that is, like, like, well, as, as uh, Cable, Cable, I don't know if I can talk. I about called you Cable. Uh, <laughs> well, I do uh, travel in. Oh, yeah. You, you, you look a lot like, man, I can't speak. I don't freaking know why. Uh, you do look a lot like James Brolin. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even the right Brolin. <laughs> Josh, but he told moment. he told so many stories that yeah. night that were just hilarious, and it, um, and, you know his his plucky Scotsman uh, attitude. Yeah. You know, well, and, and to be fair, like one of the he was he he is he does seem like a really cool dude because there was a thing when we were because you know the buildings are apart and like sometimes you have to move from one building to another. And there was a thing where, like, when we were walking and we saw him walking toward us. Well, and 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 the re and that was when Kickass. Yeah, because he had, had literally just seen the panel where uh, Kickass had, like, like where, where he was showing like like video footage from the movie, and we were, our minds are blown. We're like, well, because we hadn't neither one of us had read the comic. Like, we'd seen that we'd seen it like in the stores, but we like like the cover in the store and stuff like that. We'd never actually read it, and then when we actually saw what it was going to be just from the previews he was showing us we're like we got to see this movie you know <laughs> but, yeah but 
And so we were walking between buildings, yeah. and we saw he was, him. And he was walking toward, like, we were walking, basically walking in the opposite directions. Like, he was walking toward us, we were walking toward him. And I think he had, like, a, you know, an oh, moment when he sees us coming. He's like, great, I gotta do this again. But then, like, when we kind of talked to him. No, he, no, he didn't. <laughs> but, when we talked to him, because we talked about how the guy that flies off kind of looks like Condor Man. You know, how, like, you know, that jumps yeah, off. Yeah, I, I said that scene looks like uh, a scene in Condor Man. Yeah. Is that what, you know, did you get that idea from, from Condor Man? Yeah. And and he said, no, that was um, um, Matthew Vaughn's idea. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think Isn't so. that what either, he said? Either Vaughn or... Ramita Jr. I forget because because you know it's in the comic as well. So right, um, yeah, it's in the comic. But uh, but no, like, like well, well, first when we had told him like, oh man, that looks really awesome. We're looking forward to seeing it, you know. And and he was he was so cool. Like, I mean, because he could have told us to just f off, but he didn't. Like he took the time. Like it was it was you know he took the time to kind of talk to us for a second, and then he and then he went on his way. And I was just like, man, that's what a stand up dude. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he was standing yeah. at the time too. <laughs> Very short, I might ask. Like, <laughs> Caleb and I towered over him. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and yeah, and you, you, there were other times uh, when you asked him about old man yeah. Logan. Yeah, right? that was like, uh, whenever I, this was roughly around the time when I was even thinking about, uh, like, like, kind of thinking about, do I want to be a comic book writer? Um, and uh, old man Logan had just, which is what the, the story that's kind of what, what Lo- the Logan movie is sort of based off of loosely. Um, yeah, loosely. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. And actually it's like, it's really one of the books that uh, I think right after reading the first issue, I started writing uh, a book that you and I have sort of collaborated on. <laughs> so, um, mm-hmm. And uh, I had asked him once, cause I, 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 after reading that first, you know, after reading that first book, I was just kind of like, I remember thinking to myself, this seems a lot like Unforgiven. So I asked him, I was like, and he was signing my books. I said, um, I have to ask you, uh, were you influenced at all by Unforgiven whenever you wrote this? And he looks up at me and says, are you kidding? I pretty much stole the entire story structure. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, was yeah. like, it was just kind of funny because it almost was like, I don't know if anybody else had pointed that out to him, but he seemed like genuinely like, Please, that I caught that. <laughs> yeah. So, like, no, like I said, dude, dude, see, like, both him and Bendis, I think, are really cool. Uh, people are the cool, are, are some of the coolest uh, creators that I've gone up to, because I've actually had to walk away from Bendis. <laughs> like when Bendis, just like yeah. there was uh, the la- actually the last time I got stuff signed by him, uh, and I had kind of you know because I always try to think of an interesting question to ask him and and. Uh, at that point in time, I think, because uh, this was when he was just about to leave Marvel to go over to DC, and I said, uh, so out of curiosity, um, now that your tenure at Marvel is ending, um, is there was there any character that, and I was like, you know, you wrote, all, you know, I said, you wrote for quite a bit of the characters. Uh, was there any character that you, that you wish you would have uh, had more time or, 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 you know, had time to develop or had more time, you know, or, or to actually do like a series on and he looked up at me he's like oh yeah i would have loved the dun blade and because <laughs> he said like as i just sort of started writing him i'm like uh there was like some either x-men or avengers or something there was some some book where he was just a side character and he's like man that would have been a fun character to write 
And then he just keeps still talking to me, and I'm like, there's a huge line behind me of people. You know, they, yeah, you start you start feeling awkward, like, I'm holding uh, up the yeah, line here. Because at that point, he had already signed all the all the stuff that I, because, you know, I, I, I usually try to, like, uh, have our conversation begin and end and the time that he is signing, uh, that the person is signing the books. You know, just, like, in like mm-hmm. one question, in and out, go. And, and, like, he was still talking to me, and I'm like, and I could just feel the, I could feel the, uh, like, heat, like, kind of like the, the heat vision from the people behind yeah. me just burning into my back. And I'm like, because, <laughs> you know, they're only there for so many hours, you know? <laughs> right, well, because they have panels yeah. to get to, they've got places to yeah. get to. And, uh, um, like, you know, when they, yeah, when they do the signing and stuff, and so, so, yeah, it was just like, it was felt really awkward, I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm, Sorry, Mr. Bendis, I would love to keep talking, but I gotta go. There's so many people. Like yeah, and you're walking around, and he's like, Oh, yeah, and by the way, like, uh, what I read of Avengers is like, goes, sir, 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 he's like asking me to come back. But uh, no, apparently, I guess he's a huge, I guess he's a huge Stinger police fan because one year I was wearing my English Beat shirt, and this was actually kind of funny because he just goes, I didn't even ask a question, he goes, is that the shirt that Steve wore on the cover of, you know, whatever police album? Yeah. I forget which one it is. And I go, yeah, actually it is. And we just talked about uh, English beat and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Yeah, they love, you know, some of them love to talk. Like Jason Aaron yeah. was always kind of a talker. Wasn't um, with me. I, <laughs> He he was with me. I guess I just asked him better questions. He seemed to be really um, mad that I was asking him questions. <laughs> But uh, I talked to Scotty Young one yes, time. He's actually he's really, Scotty cool. Young's actually a really cool guy. Yeah, and uh, um, I talked to Marjorie Marjorie Lou once. Um, oh, Peter David. Yeah, he's a, I think he's Peter David cool. was one of the cooler. Yeah. He was one of the cooler ones I've talked to. I remember mentioning that I really liked comic book the movie, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you know about that?" Because <laughs> he's very briefly in <laughs> yeah. there. Uh, yeah. Well, um, I guess it's time to say goodbye. Right, well, uh, we hope you guys have enjoyed uh, listening to us uh, as much as we've enjoyed talking about this stuff. Uh, always remember, uh, if you like what we do, uh, please like, uh, share, and subscribe. And most importantly, share. You know, get us out there. And I guess we'll we'll see you guys next time, right? Yep. All right. I'm right. Jeremiah. Talk to you later. I'm Caleb. Take it easy, guys. (laughs) Bye. Bye.